Ta-da! <laughs> Happy New Year. Your people are getting it out of hand. Well, it's a good day we're celebrating today, are we not? You know, you, your people is a nice way to say it, isn't it? It's very kind. Yes, they're your people. They're mine. Mm -hmm. And I like them. <laughs> Can we see that again? Let's see it again. Let's see it again. <laughs> trying to say is happy birthday. Aren't we? <laughs> My people and I are awesome. So what's your favorite band? <clears throat> <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, well it's good to be all met together in this wonderful new year. It is. And, uh, yeah. And now, at least for the rest of the year, I'm as old as she is. <laughs> We're ageless, are we not? Mm hmm Me and my people Absolutely. and you? <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'd like to start this year off with a very special subject. Okay. I would like to talk about, in fact, I want to unveil and talk more about my vision of hydrogen. And I, I hope you'll get as excited about it as I am if you're not already. You should be, okay? Just remember that if you say something today to offend hydrogen, most of your body will disappear. <laughs> because hydrogen is not only the most abundant element in the universe, it's also the most abundant atom in your body. Be my worst half that disappears. It's a pretty good atom that hydrogen is. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Your worst half? No. Mm -hmm. Hydrogen's your best half. It's more than half. <clears throat> it's pretty awesome. So, what is this hydrogen? And why is it so significant? And why do they call me Mr. Hydrogen? Or how time put it? Dr. Hydrogen. Dr. Hydrogen. Yeah. Well, I have been very interested in this pesky little element for a long time. Hydrogen is the simplest, most basic atom. It has one electron and one proton. And even those of you that are just starting to learn how to count, you can get to one. <laughs> one. One. Mm -hmm. now, you have one. more than one balloon, I noticed. Yes, yeah, I was wanting some real ones. <laughs> But hydrogen is a very interesting element. And I became interested in it when I was in my teens. And I became interested because I learned that hydrogen reacts with air, or the oxygen in air, and forms water. Water is made up of hydrogen and air, or hydrogen and oxygen. And here's kind of an interesting thing. When you combine hydrogen and oxygen together, you get water, but you also get a tremendous amount of energy. Where does that energy come from? 
Why do you get energy when hydrogen burns? Why do you get energy when wood burns or when natural gas burns or anything burns? A piece of paper, a tree. And, and the answer when you study hydrogen is simpler to explain because it's an atom with just one electron. And if you get into the molecular science of it, you have a nucleus in the middle with a proton, and the electron is orbiting around the nucleus. Now, in quantum physics, we don't talk about it orbiting so much because we learned it's a little bit more interesting than that. But we'll, we'll stay with the Bohr model for a minute here. Okay, the Bohr atom. The electron is orbiting around. And have you ever taken one of those little rubber balls on a long rubber string? Mm -hmm. And if you swing it around, it'll make a circle? Mm -hmm. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> I would love to see it. But if mm -hmm. you swing it harder and faster, the ball makes a bigger circle. Mm -hmm. It takes more energy to swing it faster, and so it pushes out harder. And there went my microphone. I'm going to so rescue it. That energy. Look at that. Pushing out. I found that hanging by its neck. It got excited. Can you hear me? Okay, it's, <laughs> it's all right. So here's what happens with the hydrogen atom. It takes a certain amount of energy to get that electron spinning that fast around it. When it combines with an oxygen atom, and actually two hydrogens combine with an oxygen atom, and they kind of are on one side of the oxygen, so that's why we say a water molecule looks like Mickey Mouse. Two ears are the hydrogens mm -hmm. and the big oxygen atom in the middle. When they combine, the electrons don't spin in such a high energy orbit. They come in a little bit closer. And that difference in the orbit of the electrons is where the energy comes from. That's why it gives the energy off. And the thing that is really magical about hydrogen is that you can burn it, combine it with oxygen, get that energy out, use it to power a car, whatever you want to do. But then you can put the energy back into water and break it apart into hydrogen and oxygen. So in a way, water is kind of like a battery. When it's charged, it's hydrogen and air. When it's discharged, it's water, burned <laughs> hydrogen. And you can use it over and over. Do you know how many times you can use it? How many? It depends on how much energy you have. There's no limit to how many times you can break water apart into hydrogen. And so it's kind of like a closed loop. You generate the hydrogen by breaking water apart, but you have to put energy into it. To, to break the hydrogen out of water, you have to put in energy, which we do usually by putting electricity in, electrolysis, and the hydrogen bubbles off. And then when you burn it, you get that energy back. So it's really a way of carrying energy. When it's hydrogen gas, it's got the energy potential all charged up. And where is it storing the energy? In that little electron, which is really cooking. And when it combines the oxygen, electron slows down <laughs> and gives off that energy. Oh. So it's kind of like a battery, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Only it's an extremely good battery compared to 
say, a, even our modern lithium-ion batteries. It is much more uh, efficient. And I say efficient in terms of how much energy for a certain size of mass or battery. Now, people talk about efficiencies as energy in and energy out, and, and uh, that, that's really an important consideration, too. And we can talk a little bit about it. But there's more to the efficiency thing, too. And I think I'd like to get into that a little bit if we could today. Would that be all right? So hydrogen is a gas. This is the device that we use to make hydrogen. This is a stack of cells, electrolytic cells. You hook up a battery, one side positive, one side negative, put water into this, and hydrogen and oxygen comes bubbling out. Hydrogen one side, oxygen out the other side. So this is a, an electrolyzer or a device that you use to produce hydrogen and oxygen from water. So this rips water apart. It takes a higher voltage to rip it apart than you could get back if you turn this around and run it backwards as a fuel cell. Hmm. A fuel cell and an electrolyzer can be the same cell. And in fact, the one that I use in my hydrogen car, it works both ways. So if I put hydrogen and air in, it makes electricity. But the electricity that comes out has a lower voltage than I have to put back in to get the hydrogen out. So by the voltage you put, it either makes hydrogen or it makes electricity. And it's pretty neat because I literally can recharge my hydrogen tank in my hydrogen car by plugging it into electricity or hooking it up to a solar collector. Or if I had a big giant windmill, hooking it up to that. Okay, And so it stores that energy in the hydrogen tank. And then as I'm driving, the hydrogen goes back in here where it combines with air to become water and it powers the wheels. So the, what do you mean by electrolytic plates? I don't know. You don't know. What do I mean? Do I mean this? Oh, this? Nice, yeah. There can be a lot of different kinds of electrolytic plates. In my first introduction to hydrogen, my science teacher in middle school put two little electrodes into a tube with water. I later learned that those little pieces of metal looked like little foil in there. Happened to be a really nice metal called platinum. Oh. Right? You gotta love platinum <laughs> because it's a magic catalyst and it works very, very well for this. And then he also had a little bit of hydrochloric acid in the water just to be an electrolyte so it would help the water conduct electricity. But on one of the electrodes, he got oxygen bubbles and on the other one, he got hydrogen bubbles. And as it started to fill the tubes and it pushed the water down, it became clear that it was producing twice as much hydrogen as it was oxygen, hence H2O. Wow. And for you guys that are taking chemistry, you say, well, wait a minute. Hydrogen is a very small atom. Oxygen is a very big one. So why would it be twice as much? It wouldn't weigh twice as much. In fact, the hydrogen weighed a lot less than the oxygen did. But it's interesting that when you have a gas, 
the volume of the gas happens to be determined by the number of molecules. So if you have Avogadro's number of hydrogen molecules, then you'd have two grams of hydrogen. And if you have Avogadro's number of oxygen molecules forming oxygen gas, you would have the same volume, even though it would be much heavier, because oxygen has a lot more mass in each atom, mm -hmm. meaning more protons. And in this case, oxygen also has neutrons. Hydrogen sometimes has neutrons. Remember, neutrons are those big chunky things like protons. They weigh about as much as a proton, but they don't have any charge. They're not positive, they're not negative, they're just heavy, as protons are heavy. <laughs> and, I, and you say, well, why are you saying protons are heavy? Because compared to electrons, they're heavy because electrons are very light. So when you weigh an atom, you're basically weighing the protons and the neutrons, because electrons are, <laughs> they just don't weigh in. <laughs> that makes sense? They don't have opinions, All right. they don't so, weigh in. <laughs> About the same. So we made hydrogen just by putting two little pieces of metal in the water, mm -hmm. hooking them up to a, a wire. One had to be a positive side of a battery. One had to be the negative. In other words, alternating current like coming out of the wall, that doesn't work so well because it keeps changing direction. So you have to put a direct current in, which is it stays positive, it stays negative, and the bubbles start coming off. Now, when you get a little bit fancier, you say, well, what if I want to make more hydrogen, and what if I want to make it at pressure? In my hydrogen cars, not the very first ones, but as I started researching this some time ago, the storage of the hydrogen became a real concern to me. And I learned that there's a magical way to store hydrogen using something like this. This is a tube full of a metal powder. I don't know if you can see the powder falling down. Oh, kind of a little bit, can't you? This powder is a powder of a metal alloy. An alloy means more than one metal. And in this particular case, this is basically two different metals. How do I know? Because I cooked it up myself. <laughs> you made that? Yeah, made, made the powder. Wow. And how did we make it? Well, the powder that is in this tube that was in my storage tanks is iron, like we use in steel, and titanium, like we use in our airplanes. And it's about half iron and half titanium, which is kind of neat. When this material is put in contact with hydrogen under pressure, the hydrogen reacts with the metal and forms a, a chemical bond. It happens to be a coelom bond, a weak bond. And this metallic looking powder turns white, like face powder. And then we say, this tank is charged, it's full of hydrogen. And the interesting thing is, this tank, even though it's already full of powder, if you put hydrogen into it, it can hold a ton more than if it was empty. Because these chunks of alloy react chemically and grab the hydrogen and hold it very, very densely.
So we charged the tank with pressure. And when I would charge my hydride tank, I would charge it at 500 pounds per square inch. Now let's put that in context. In my car, my tires have 32 pounds pressure. 500 is more than that. So if you think about the pressure that you use in your car tire, uh, we're talking more. A thousand pounds per square inch is, is quite a bit of pressure. And hydrogen, being the pesky little atom that it is, is hard to compress. And you know why that is? Why? Most compressors, like if, if you have an air compressor <clears throat> to make the hydrogen you're going to put in your tire, you have a piston going up and down, and it pushes the air out, and then a valve closes, and it sucks in some more air, and you push that again. Well, if you use a compressor with hydrogen, the hydrogen atoms are so much smaller than air that they leak more past the pistonry. So it works, but it doesn't work as good as air. So it's hard to compress hydrogen. And of course, you're talking about a fairly large volume of gas because it's a low density gas. And so for me to produce the hydrogen and then put a big compressor on to get it into my tank didn't seem very feasible. So I said, why don't I make it at pressure? Why don't I electrolyze the water, and when the hydrogen comes out, let's make it already be at pressure. And I thought, that'll take less energy than running a big compressor outside of the unit, and I won't have to buy the compressor. Seemed like a good idea. So we did it. We made a cell like this, all bolted together with these big bolts so it could handle pressure. This particular one cannot handle 500 pounds per screen. So this is plastic end plates. But the ones that work at 500 PSI have big metal end plates and bigger bolts. And we squeeze it together. And then we produce the hydrogen. Now, the interesting thing that surprised us all was that when we started very carefully measuring the amount of hydrogen that we produced, the amount of electricity that it took to produce it, we found out that when we produce it at high pressure, it took less electricity than when we produced it at low pressure. And that's impossible. Yeah, why is that? That's like getting that pressure free. And in energy, nothing is free. Okay. You always have to pay for it. So we scratched our heads, our noodles, you know, to figure <laughs> out how could that be? How could it be that it's more efficient at high pressure, it should be less efficient? And then we learned something very interesting. In an electrolytic cell, electrolytic cell means a cell where there's a chemical reaction and you're applying electricity. In an electrolytic cell, the amount of current that will go through the cell and the efficiency of it is a function of current density. So let's say I had a, a plate in there of one square centimeter. Now, I'm, I'm showing you one square centimeter, but mine's about 10 square centimeters here. A square centimeter actually would be pretty small. But if you can imagine one square centimeter, you say, well, why doesn't he say inch? Okay, one square inch. A square inch is about two and a half times as big as a centimeter. But I say a centimeter because I happen to know what the current density is of one of these cells in centimeters. That's kind of what we use in the chemistry lab. 
It's called the metric system. Mm -hmm. Now, what was your favorite band again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 2.4 gigahertz. Yeah, okay, 2.4. Yeah. At any rate, if you have a little electrolyzer that's only one plate of one square centimeter and you run a current of one amp through it, it's going to take a particular voltage. If you run two amps through it, it's going to take a higher voltage to do it. And it turns out that you're going to get less hydrogen for every amp you put through the cell. So in other words, the lower the current per square centimeter, the more efficient it is. Hmm. We call that current density. And if the current density in a cell is low, then you get a higher efficiency. Now, this is a little bit confusing, so don't let it throw you, but for some of you, I thought you'd like that. But let's see what that means. So inside the cell, you have water. We run the electricity through, and these little bubbles of hydrogen start forming, and they start pushing the water away from the electrodes. Electrodes is the conducting part of the cell, in this case, the catalyst, the platinum. And as the bubbles push it away, it's like making the platinum smaller because not all of it's able to work. It can only work where there's water on the platinum. And if you got bubbles pushing the water away, it's like the platinum, there's not as much platinum. And so lo and behold, the efficiency goes down. But guess what happens to a bubble that's this big under 500 PSI? It's little. It's little. Mm -hmm. And so the bubbles get much, much smaller. And since they're smaller, all the platinum works, which means the current density is way down. So we actually are more efficient at 500 PSI. And that is one of my inventions. That's brilliant. And that's something that uh, we have some patents on. It's brilliant. So I invented the Billings cell. Oh, I like that voice. Do you know why I called it the Billings cell? Because you it's it. my name. <laughs> yeah. I want to make my dad proud of me. <laughs> so the Billings Cell. Uh -huh. And uh, just for fun, I'll tell you that I manufactured Billings electrolyzers. I'm not making them right now, but I did. And then I sold the rights to another company to make them. And these have been made, shipped all over the world. And they used them primarily for hospitals where they needed oxygen or places where they needed hydrogen. Billing cells, they're pretty neat. But the nice thing about my cells is they produce hydrogen at 500 PSI, which is the perfect pressure to go into my Billings hydride tanks. You there call it, it that is. too. That's cool. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> what am I going to call it? The Monet hydride tank? Oh, it sounds beautiful. I, I, didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have a lot of Monet back then. <laughs> you didn't have any money back then. I didn't have any money, I so I had to just call them Billings. <laughs> yeah, now I could call them the Peugeot Hydrogen Tank. Oh, that sounds just beautiful. Sounds. <laughs> I like it. You put it in my car, and then I can drive. Should we go to commercial? That'd be vain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that. Well, anyway, so we're getting it, right? So this too. is a hydride tank. This is a hydrogen generator. And I just, I have to show our, show our students this. This is a, a hard-to-see piece of plastic. You see how it's reflective? It's like a piece of plastic. You could use this for a report cover. 
<laughs> put it on your report like that. Keep it protected. See that? Only this piece of plastic is not plastic. It's actually a polyperfluorinated membrane. This particular one happens to be Nafion, which is a brand name of DuPont. And this is a membrane that DuPont developed for the purpose of making PVC pipe. You familiar with PVC pipe mm -hmm. that's used in our homes? PVC pipe is made out of chlorine. And chlorine is made the same way hydrogen is. If you put water into the cell, put electricity in it, it'll make hydrogen and oxygen. But what happens if you goof up and put salt water in here? Then you still get your oxygen, but instead of hydrogen, chlorine comes out oh. from the salt. It's called chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> so this was made for the chlorine industry to help them produce chlorine so they could make PVC pipe, polyvinyl chloride, that chloride is the chlorine, get it? Mm -hmm. Okay. And lo and behold, I want to thank that industry because this works really well in the Billings Electrolyzer. And by the way, the Billings Electrolyzer can be run backwards. You don't actually have to turn over to do it. You just lower the voltage. And then it turns hydrogen back into water and gives off electricity. So I can plug it in at night, charge up my tank with electricity being the source of power. And then I could drive during the day using the, the hydrogen to make the electricity. And I actually was able to get very high efficiencies from this. And that's really, really important because you don't want to waste the power. Okay, is that all making sense so far? Mm -hmm. Okay, but we've got to go deeper. Because like I said, I, I want to tell a little bit more about this. The thing that really excites me about hydrogen, and by the way, I think hydrogen is going to be the, the most preferred automotive fuel going down the road. Do you get that? Yeah, going down, going the, down, road, down the road. That's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of people making hydrogen cars. They call me the hydrogen man because I was the first one to make a car that runs on hydrogen. And I was doing it for a high school science project. When I started out, it was before high school, it took me a little while to actually get it working because I was new at it. Is that what you call a little while? A little That's while, a few oh, years. Okay. <laughs> but uh, now hydrogen cars are being made all over the world. Uh, Mercedes-Benz, I think, right now is a leader in the number they're making. Toyota, which is the number two largest automaker in the, in the world, has already sold over 5,000 hydrogen cars in the U.S. Wow. And... Uh, uh, we have uh, <clears throat> Honda has sold about 1,100 in the U.S. as of a couple of years ago. But there's a real interesting study that came out that I think uh, you might want to know about. There's a very large and very prestigious accounting firm that the big companies use. It's, it's one of the four giant accounting firms in the United States. Accounting means they go in and they audit the big businesses to see if their financial records are all accurate. It's called KPMG. KPMG is one of the big four audit firms, and they did a major study on 
hydrogen versus the electric car. Oh. And they did their study by interviewing the executives of auto companies. I want to show a slide, and this will be a little bit hard to read, but it's a slide showing the survey that they did. And if you could read it, which is a little hard from here, you'd see that this was a survey done with 1,000 executives from 42 countries, and these are people that are all in the auto industry. And I want to read to you now the conclusion that this report came to, okay? Come back to me. There. <laughs> Hi, I'm back. <clears throat> oh, she really liked that chart, didn't she? Okay. This what this their conclusion. Battery electric vehicles will fail due to infrastructure challenges while fuel cell vehicles are seen as the real breakthrough for electric mobility. This is new data. And, of course, this has been my philosophy since the very, very beginning. So I think people are starting to realize that this thing's really catching on. I'd like to show you the new Toyota truck. Okay. Take a look at this one. Ooh. There it is. This is the new Toyota hydrogen nice. truck. There are buses running in countries all over the world. There are refueling stations being built. And if you haven't had a ride in a hydrogen car yet, well, then... You're going to sometime in the near future. In fact, uh, have you ever driven in a hydrogen car? I have. Yeah, let's look at it. I think I got a clip I loved of it. it. Let's see how she did. Oh. Yeah, there it is. The world's first hydrogen car. There's the tanks in the back. This is not the powder tanks because I kept it the way it was originally. That is not Beijing. <laughs> well, different <laughs> Kids love it. They do? Yeah. They like Beijing. They don't like it. There, there she is. That is the Beijing. She wanted to drive. Well, Unfortunately, she didn't have her license with her. <laughs> I did not want to drive. <laughs> oh, you want to drive? I have a good car. Oh, I do. By the way, if you look at the background, you can see the ISP laboratory. I love it. Okay, so hydrogen is becoming very important. But there's one piece of data that is almost shocking. And I think it's something that uh, we're getting very close to being able to take advantage of. Did you know that water is made up of hydrogen and oxygen? And of course you do. You know that it's made up of hydrogen and oxygen. But did you know that hydrogen in water has a couple different varieties? There's normal water that has normal hydrogen. And then there's heavy water. And it has hydrogen that has a neutron. Most water, most hydrogen doesn't have a neutron, just has a proton. But some has a neutron too. And when that happens, the hydrogen atom is twice as heavy. And some hydrogen atoms even have two neutrons and one proton. They can only have one proton or it'd be something else. 
and one electron. But some have two neutrons. If it has one neutron, we call that type of hydrogen deuterium. If it has two, we call it tritium. You know, like three, because it's three times as heavy. But if you separate out the heavy hydrogens, and then if you fuse them together, push them together hard so that they combine and turn into helium, you get off an enormous amount of energy. Remember what Einstein says, the amount of energy you get by squeezing two hydrogens together is equal to the amount of mass that's converted to energy times the speed of light squared. That is the source of power of the stars. It's hydrogen fusion. Hydrogen, two hydrogens being squoze, not, not reacting with air and forming water. The two hydrogens being turned into helium. And why does that give off so much energy? Because two hydrogens weigh more than one helium. And the difference in that weight when they get squoze together as an atomic reaction, that difference in weight is the matter that is transformed into energy. And that's how all the stars shine. That's how the sun provides all the energy for this world. But here's the surprising fact. How much heavy water is there in the ocean? How much energy is there? If we can, can harness fusion, and, and we can, we did it in the hydrogen bomb. The only problem is it's so hot, 100 million degrees, that, and that's 100 million degrees C, that uh, whenever we do it, it melts the reactor. So we've got to figure that out. And scientists are getting pretty close. But the amount of fusible hydrogen in one gallon of water would give us the same amount of energy as 300 gallons of gas. Oh. Just think, one gallon of seawater could generate the power of 300 gallons of gasoline. And the only reason we're not doing that right now it's because we're trying to figure out how to not have our generator melt. The sun does it real clever. It sits way out there and it has gravity. <laughs> now, if we can control gravity like the sun, we'd just stick that in the back of our car, wouldn't we? <laughs> and scientists have, have done a lot of experimenting. There's uh, a group that are researching a thing called cold fusion, and that's making fusion that doesn't have to be so hot. And there's a lot of controversy in science right now about cold fusion. But it is interesting. And a lot of the data says something really amazing is going on. What we don't understand about it is pretty much everything we can <laughs> learn. But something's happening there. But we do know that if you heat hydrogen up to 100 million degrees under a lot of pressure, that when the hydrogens are, remember, heat means it's vibrating so fast. It's vibrating so fast that when two hydrogen atoms collide, they get pushed so close together, they stick and become helium. And that's how the sun makes wonderful energy that sustains life on this planet.
Well, we're getting close to making a sun, a star on Earth. There's a, a huge project. Uh, it's a tokamak reactor. Tokamak means it looks like a donut. A donut-shaped magnetic bottle. So we hold the hydrogen inside a magnetic field so it doesn't touch anything, so it doesn't melt it. It insulates it with a vacuum around it. And uh, we're now building a giant tokamak. The United States government, I think, is the principal supporter of it, but we're building it over mm -hmm. in Europe. And uh, it is estimated that this will be the first tokamak that will be capable of generating more energy than it does to ignite it. We already have little tokamaks that you put in a lot of power and get a little bit back from fusion. But this should be the first one that turns around. And you know, um, we, we've been working on fusion for quite a few years. Technology is getting better and better. But I believe we're getting closer and closer. We have to be closer and closer to the day that we'll be able to get all of our energy from this. But just think about it. When you burn hydrogen, the hydrogen we can make by using the fusion energy to dissociate water, when you burn it, the only pollutant is water. And water is about the only thing you can put in the air and say that is absolutely not pollution. Mm -hmm. If we get CO2, we think it's greenhouse gas. If we get hydrocarbons or carbon monoxide, we think that's poison. If we get nitrogen, it's poison. But hydrogen can be made to power our cars, our vehicles, our homes with absolutely no pollution. I want to show you just a couple quick photographs. This is the first hydrogen vehicle. You saw Dr. Peugeot taking a ride in mm -hmm. it because we got it fixed up and painted. But here's how it originally looked. Wow. And um, that guy standing there looking at it won the science fair. That guy? Yeah, he That did. guy looks like you. Yeah, this is back in the day. And that is the Model A that my father would drive to work every day. And that he said, if you're going to destroy a car, do this one. <laughs> and I did not destroy it. But no. this car actually was the world's first car to run on hydrogen. And I'm very, very pleased to say that it actually ran quite well eventually. That's what counts. But you have to learn how. Yeah. And that's what we've got to do with fusion is we've got to learn how. Now, I want to show you another picture. Okay. This is a picture of the world's first hydrogen home. And this is the home where uh, my lovely wife, Tanya, and I tested out hydrogen on our family of, at that point in time, all little girls. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we do not know if hydrogen homes can have little boys because... <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work it didn't for happen. us, but at any rate, this was the world's yeah. first hydrogen home, and I'd like to show you a front of a magazine where you can see the lawnmower and this same guy driving it. I hope you can get, there it is. This is uh, out of a newspaper over in London, and you can see the, the same guy driving the little lawnmower powered by hydrogen. You can see the hydrogen cars in the driveway. The fireplace log was fueled by hydrogen, the oven. Everything in this house was fueled by hydrogen. Right. And 
the whole home created no pollution. That's what's neat about hydrogen. It's a universal energy vector. You can make hydrogen from water, and remember, the water's reusable because you get it back. For every drop of water you use to make hydrogen, you get it back when you burn it. It's amazing. So you never lose the water. And all you need besides water to make hydrogen is <clears throat> energy. And the energy can come from solar, it can come from geothermal, it can come from wind, it can come from hydroelectric. You know, you say electric cars are pollution free, but if you look at it a little more careful, electric cars are pollution free only if the electricity was made without pollution. Mm -hmm. If the electricity was made by burning coal, then electric cars are really coal burning cars. If the electricity was made by burning natural gas, then they're natural gas fueled cars. So keep that in mind. And interestingly, if you put coal, if you have to use coal, because we don't have our fusion tuned up yet, you don't have enough solar, if you have to use coal, converting coal by reacting it with water instead of just burning a flame, which is called coal gasification, and I wrote a book on that. Mm -hmm. If you do that, you get a lot more of the coal energy into the hydrogen and a whole ton less pollution from the coal. Wow. A lot less global warming from the coal than if you make electricity, run it through power lines where you lose about 6% of the electricity just wasted, put it in your electric vehicle, it actually ends up creating a bigger burden on the environment than if you just gasify the coal to make hydrogen, pipe the coal underground so it wasted in power lines, and put it into refueling stations. One of the reasons in that KPMG report that they really felt that hydrogen would win is because electric battery cars take too long to recharge. When you're late for work, you drive into the fueling station, I need some gas, quick. They said, well, but you're an electric car. Well, then I need some electricity, quick. And they plug it in. <clears throat> you wait, and you wait, and you wait. A hydrogen car, you can refuel in just a couple minutes, like a gasoline car. So, <clears throat> yeah, howdy, hydrogen's coming. I like y'all howdy. Hydrogen is coming. That's so neat. We're out of time, but thank are. you. Think hydrogen.